She's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome back to another super fun, super exciting episode of the Autumn Miles Show. I love you guys so much. Um... We are going to talk about something amazing, continuing in our series after the break, when the new makes you nervous. We're going to talk about the third step to do, very practical series over here, in order to walk into the new and be stable and be confident and be courageous because you actually can walk into the new and be all of those things. You actually can do that, okay? It takes a little mental preparation, but you can do it. Okay. We're going to talk about that after the break. And on, on, on that, I did pre-record this from a Facebook live. So it has, it was recorded a little bit ago and we are using that. So my voice might sound a little bit different, but the content is just the same. Okay. Just wanted to make you aware of that. Okay. What's going on in my life? I told you last week about my son, my 13 year old son, who is a man child at this point. That's what we call him. You are the man child. He is not quite man, but not quite child. So he is man child. Okay. Um, I need to have a conversation with you about how my man child eats. Last night, my husband grilled steaks on the grill, which we don't do very often. I'm super weird about home-cooked steak. (laughs) I don't really know why. I know people are going to disagree with me harshly on that, but I, I just, I like a steak that's cooked not at home for some reason. I don't know why. I'm weird. But we did have steaks. And my husband went to like Costco and you know how you can buy like the whole, like, you know, there's like 12 steaks in a pack and you know, whatever. Well, that's what he did. My 13 year old man child son ate three eight ounce steaks himself. We had to cut him off. I had to say, you are going to turn into a steak. So you cannot have any more steak. He was full at that point. Praise the Lord. I said, just let it settle. Sometimes your kids just, they just, their food just needs to settle, right? And it's funny that he's eating so much because not everybody realizes, especially people that don't have teenage boys, how much teenage boys eat until you have a teenage boy. You don't even know how much teenage boys eat. I heard these legendary stories for years and years about how much teenage boys eat. But again, until you have one, you don't understand, okay? Because my son recently went to, I don't want to say this person's name, but he recently went to dinner with someone that we know very, very well, and we may or may not share a bloodline, but he he went to dinner with this person and we love this person. And yes, we do share a bloodline, but he, he went and they took him out to dinner and I wasn't there. And so they're like, Jude, because you're a kid, order from the kid's menu. Well, at this specific restaurant, they have tacos for a kid's menu and they're baby tacos. Like they're not like tortilla shell 
like, you know, tacos. They're like mini baby tacos. They're not like your standard size tacos. They're like half the size of a standard size taco. But this person who I love dearly (laughs) thought that would be sufficient for my man child son. And so He's very respectful and he's not going to be like, uh, hello, that's not enough food. He's going to order his kid's meal, which literally would be the appetizer's appetizer at our house. He sat down, he ate the two tacos, which he could eat in two bites and his meal was over. (laughs) And I referenced that because he came home and he has told me about this meal that he had multiple times and he felt bad asking for more food because I wasn't there, you know, the whole thing. And I'm like, son, just text me and I will call this person and be like, you need some more food, but they don't know because they don't have teenagers. Okay. Anyway, I just say all that to tell you that he is very conscious of when we eat. Every time I pick him up from school, he says, mom, what's for dinner? Every time I text him and it's past 2 p.m., he'll say, love you, mom. What are we eating for dinner? Dinner is a major priority in his child's life. And I guess this whole story is to warn you, those of you that have little boys, that when they're 13-ish, he's kind of started eating like this when he was like 12. 12 on, just prepare yourself that the stories are true. The legends are true about teenage boys. You will need to up your grocery budget. You will need to make sure that they have, you know, plenty of snacks and stuff like that. Sometimes I think he's joking at how much he eats. And then five minutes later, he comes in. The other night, I made him two separate dinners. It's it's unbelievable. And I don't think I would have believed it myself unless I was not living with it. So anyway, that's what's happening in my world. Pray for us. Pray for our grocery budget. We need all the prayers that we can get. We need God to supernaturally provide for our grocery budget. But anyway, that's what's happening in my life. After the break, guys, we are going to get into step three, which is obey to do. Obey God's word to do. I cannot wait to share it with you. Catch me right after the break. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply. But God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of his reach to use and redeem all things for his purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab, the biblical harlot, and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. 
To find out how you can get your copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. So we're talking about this. When the new makes you nervous. And I got to be honest with you. I felt like yesterday was was really great. <laughs> I mean, we there is something about God illuminating his word to you in a new and a fresh way that I do not think I'll ever get over. I felt so very... I was moved by what God told me about Joshua and I ended up sharing it with my husband and I'm, and he was like, Oh my goodness, I've never thought about it that way. And if you have not watched yesterday's go back and watch it because it is all about the who, what, when, where, why of Joshua one and how you can move forward and not be nervous walking into the new. And my husband even yesterday was like, Oh my goodness, this is such a good series. I'm like, I know, it's really great. I want to do a little recap before we get into today. Today is going to be very near and dear to my heart, okay? Joshua 1 tells us how to move into a new season confident. Joshua 1 is really the um, syllabus on how to move into the new season of your life or to renew something that's, that, that, that you once had a passion or a desire for. Day one, I said we need to process our past and make peace with it, just like they did when Moses died. They had to make peace with that before they could move forward, okay? Yesterday, we talked about listen and receive, okay? When you make peace with your past day one, which was Monday, go back and watch it, you don't have to worry about bringing those old things into a new season. It cuts out a lot of anxiety for you more than you would even know, okay? It's a hard, It's probably the hardest step of all, all of the ones that we see in Joshua 1, okay? Day two, when I talk about listen and receive. There is a peace when God tells you to do something where action is not necessary yet. Okay. We are taught to go from like zero to 60. And like, as soon as we hear something to do it, well, there is a portion where we need to listen to the Lord, receive the promises that he says and process that. So day one, moving forward is process your past. Day two is listen and receive what God wants you to do, okay? Those are the first two steps. Now, the third step is this. Observe to do. This is my favorite step. And I think the most important step in walking forward confidently. It's the most vital one. I think the first one, processing your past is the hardest one and making peace with it. I think that's the hardest one. But I think this one, observe to do, is 
the most important one, okay? We're going to take this directly, and I'm going to go to a couple of different passages in the scripture um, today, but this is directly out of Joshua 1. I am preaching this week exegetically, okay, verse by verse, and, and in some cases, word by word. Joshua 1, 7 says this, the Lord is still speaking. It's a one-on-one conversation to Joshua. We, nobody else is there. It's just God Almighty and Joshua, the son of none, okay? Verse 7 says this, only be strong and very courageous. And then listen to this, be careful. Now, when I hear the words, be careful from God, (laughs) I need to be careful. Okay. God makes a huge point to Joshua knowing the task that he has just handed to him that the this next piece of what he's getting ready to say is vital to the success of Joshua. So he says be careful. And I want us all to just sit in these two words here for a second because I don't think we're careful in this area as a whole of the church today. He says, only be strong and courageous. Be careful. Be careful. Be really sensitive. Be leaned in. To do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Now, you can read all through Deuteronomy and you can see what that is, okay? I don't have time today to do that, but you can go and you can look for it for yourself. He says, be careful to do. You've got to really be careful. You know, when I, when I, you know, when I'm cooking with my kids and like Haven is, has a little egg and she's just now learning how to crack the egg to make like the brownie or whatever, I'll tell her every time, be careful, be careful, because you know when you crack an egg, you don't want any of the shell in the brownie mix when you're trying to mix it up. Be careful, Haven, be careful. When your kid is climbing the stairs to, you know, and to to get up to the next floor and they're little, what do you say to them? Be careful, be careful. When you're in the kitchen cooking and you're like, I just did this last night, last night, guys, I'm making this homemade Alfredo sauce and I'm telling you what it is to die for. But I made it last night. My son came in and he was, he was reaching and he was got really way too close to the stove. And I said, be careful, be careful, be careful. A warning from a mom who loves her kids to be careful. Why would I say be careful? Because if you aren't careful, you're going to get shell in the brownie mix and ain't nobody like crunchy brownies. Nobody. I don't, I've never met a person that likes brownies with the shell of the egg in them. If my son touched the stove, what would happen? He would get burnt on his hand. If my children, when they were little, weren't careful when they climbed the stairs, they could fall down the stairs and hurt themselves, right? My daughter, I just taught her how to drive. You guys all know this. We went, we did driver's ed with her. And I cannot tell you how many times I probably screamed out loud, be careful, be careful. Why? Because I want her to be safe 
and I want all of my children to be protected and I want them to move forward successful and not get hurt. Okay, so God, the father is looking at Joshua, who has an enormous task, and he uses the exact same phrasing that you use with your children to Joshua, who is the successor of the greatest leader, probably of all time, of course, besides Jesus. Be careful. Be careful to do. Now his has a clause. I'm like, be careful, Haven, with the egg. Be careful, Grace. You know, stop at that stop sign. Be careful, Jew. Don't put your hand close to the thing because you won't get burnt. God's request to Joshua is be careful to do. And I'm going to tell you how this is to all of us in a different passage of scripture. He says, be careful. Be careful to do. You've got to do it. Be careful to do this, Joshua. Be careful to do, verse uh, Joshua 1, 7, according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Be careful. You got to do it. This is why, Joshua. And he gives him a why. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. So you may have success wherever you go. Now, this promise Hey, you're going to have success wherever you go. It's not really a, a promise of prosperity. You know, it's a promise of protection. You're going to have success. Whatever I say, I'm going to do. But you have to be careful to observe everything that Moses said. If you observe everything that Moses said, you're going to have success. Just like, hey, uh, Grace, if you, my daughter, if you observe all of the traffic signs, you're going to be safe in your car, hopefully. Be careful to observe it. Don't look to it to the right or to the left. Now, this part of the verse, uh, Joshua 1, 7, is so vitally important so many people think that the word of God, and, and let me just phrase this, Joshua only had the law according to Moses, okay? We literally, it was, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, jo Joshua, Judges, Ruth. So he, he didn't have very much, wait, I missed a couple of them in there. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I missed numbers. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. He only had a portion of the law. We have the total word of God. Okay. So we can look back. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Joshua only had the law to abide by. Okay. I'm going to show you how that applies to us specifically here in just a second. But he says, be careful to observe everything according to law. Don't look to the left <laughs> or to the right of it so that you may have success wherever you go. I'm going to I want to talk for a second about looking to the left or to the right. A lot of people think think that the word is not enough. I used to be one of those people. I used to think that the word of God is just not enough. That's what I thought. And I'm for 20 years of my life, I lived and thought, "You know what? We need to add stuff to this." <laughs> This is old or whatever it is that I thought, not good things. And then when I was 20, I gave my 21, I gave my life to Christ. 
And I decided, and we're going to talk about this in a second, I decided that looking to the left or to the right, following what I felt or what sounded good or what, you know, society was telling me to do, looking to the left or to the right, and then, you know, sprinkling in a little scripture. I decided that that's how I wanted to live my life. And then I got, uh, then I became a believer in Christ, 22, 21. And I had made such a mess of my life that I didn't want to look to the left or the right anymore (laughs) because I knew what looking to the left or to the right did. Looking to the left or to the right gets you all confused. So when I was 21, I decided, okay, this is what I got. This is my guidance right here. I am going to build my life and construct my life on the pages of God's word. Why did I decide to do that? Because it was during that time that I discovered Joshua 1. I saw the word success and I knew I was a walking failure. When God told Joshua, listen, I want you to obey the law. Be careful. Be careful to obey the law. Everything that Moses said. Don't turn to it from the left or the right so that you will have success. I was in a place where I was extremely unsuccessful. (laughs) I was a living failure. That's why yesterday ministered to me so much because I know, I know, I know what being a failure is like. I've lived it. I'm not talking about a tiny failure. I'm talking about a massive failure. (laughs) It took the people pleasing right out of me. When you failed to everyone, you really don't ever hold on to people pleasing ever again because you just failed. Sometimes failure is a great thing because you lose this idol of people pleasing. They've got to like me. They've got to like me. They've got to like me. Well, after you fail to everybody, guess what? People pleasing don't mean much at all. That's why I don't really struggle with it as much as I did in my early years of life. I wanted to have success. I didn't want, I'm not talking about like, you know, what, how the world defines success. I wanted peace. I wanted an inner strength. To me, after you failed so miserably to everybody else, I wanted to construct my life on peace, on truth, on strength. I no longer cared about how the world defines success. I just didn't care about it anymore. I didn't care. Because I knew I had tried to achieve that and I was an utter failure. So when I read Joshua 1, 7, 20 years ago, and I saw so that you may have success wherever you go, it really registered with me. And I thought, I need success because all I do is fail. You know that song, all I do is win, win, win? Yeah. I was, all I do is fail, fail, fail. (laughs) That was me. And I wanted to reconstruct, renew my life on stability that even if to the world I look like a failure, I wouldn't feel like a failure anymore. Verse 8 says this, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth. Why do you guys think I love to talk about God's word so much? 
I talk about it all the time. I talk not just here on these lives. It's not just my little black notepads that you guys seem to like. It's not on the podcast. I talk, I just had a 45 minute conversation with my brother yesterday and all we talked about was the word of God. I am obsessed with the story in the scripture and we're going to do a live and it's going to be amazing. And, but I'm not quite processed through the whole thing yet, but we were talking about that. We were talking about people falling away from the church right now and, and how the, and, and what God's doing through all of that. We were talking about all these sorts of things. I talked to my kids about the word of God. It is literally always on my mouth. Why is it? Because I have tasted and seen, and I know that the word of God and following it and not looking to the left or to the right, how I feel, blah, 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 all this stuff, that has literally constructed my life in a stable way. Not that we don't have trials, but that when we do, we're able to stand, okay? Verse 8. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth. It's always in my mouth. It was a command to Joshua. The people that he led didn't need to hear what Joshua had to say. They needed to hear what God was saying through Joshua. They needed to hear the book, uh, the, law, the book of law shall not depart from your mouth. He, God knew what the truth through Joshua was going to do in the hearts of the people. God knew They didn't trust Joshua yet, but they definitely trusted God because of what God had done for them so far. So Joshua was to have this book in his mouth and speak it on a regular basis because it was the truth, the the Bible as we know it, it was the truth that was what the Israelites needed to hear. You know, you have a conversation with someone. I get, guys... Every day I get a call of someone that's got a problem that needs help. And in that moment when I'm doing these calls, when I'm trying to give advice to a friend or whatever, the first thing I pray for on the phone is, Lord, what word do you have for them? Not what do I think is smart because my intellect is absolutely foolish, when you're, you parallel it with the spirit of the living God. So I'll get these calls on, I need your advice on this, or I need your advice on that. And I always pause and think, God, what do you want to say to this person? And without fail, God will give me a verse. Without fail, God will give me something from his word. And it's interesting that every time I get those calls, which is often daily, I will, the person on the other end will say, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And, you know, they give me the credit and I, I'm very, very quickly to say, you know what? No, 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 no. This is God. This is, I, I, this is what I feel like God wants, needs you to hear. And that's what the Israelite people needed from Joshua. The word. The word of God through him. The book of law shall not depart from your mouth and you shall meditate it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. The book of law in his mouth and the book of law in his mind is what God commanded him to do. Mouth and mind. It shall be in your mouth and you shall meditate on it 
Mouth and meditate on it. Mouth and meditate on it. Listen. So day and night, so that you may be careful to do what's written in it. When we meditate on the word of God, it gives us that inner strength that we need to be able to handle whatever comes. God commanded this of Joshua because he knew what was coming. He knew Jericho was coming. He knew AI was coming. He knew contentions among the tribes were coming. He knew he would have to deal with mistakes at the trials. Those were coming. He knew that he had to make major decisions in the near future that was coming. He knew he needed to listen for the right direction from the Lord that was coming. And so he told him up front before he even started, it needs to be in your mouth and it needs to be in your mind. I don't know who has discipled you up until this point. And if you get nothing out of anything I say ever, ever, I'm just going to second God here. (laughs) There is something about speaking the word of God and meditating on it that revolutionizes a life. I'll wake up in the middle of the night. The first thing I don't think is I'll be maybe fearful at first or anxious at first. And then the God's word comes in. Why? Because I have chosen to meditate on the promises of the Lord. And the promises of the Lord are more powerful than anything I'm fearful or anxious about. They make decisions for our family because of this. We want to have success where we go and we want to be prosperous in our life. Okay. And the way to do that is to speak the word and to meditate on it. When I say the third step of moving forward in when the new makes you nervous is to obey to do, that's exactly what I mean. We dealt with the past. The second day, we listened to what God wanted us to do and we received it. Okay, now we know what we're supposed to do. And now we need to hear the word of God in order to do what it says, okay? God said go into the land, but there was a hundred details that, that Joshua needed to work through in order to do that. How does he know which way to take? He knows which way to take because he looks at the, the, the word and he makes his decisions based on that, okay? I want you to go to Psalm, Psalm 1, I love this passage. This is how it starts off in Psalm. David wrote most of the Psalms. We don't know who wrote this Psalm. I'd love to give it to David, but the truth of it is we don't really know who wrote Psalm 1. But it mirrors what Joshua 1, 7, and 8 says. It says this, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Now listen to what happens to a person who meditates on the word of God day and night. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields fruit. It's prosperous. It's successful in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he what? Prospers. I remember thinking when I made a mess of my life in the past, how am I going to get out of this? 
Some of you guys might be sitting there today and you might be thinking, how am I going to get out of the mess that's in my life and the mess that I've created in my life? How am I going to move on from that? How am I going to get on from this thought process? How am I going to move forward? Simple. Start today. A lot of times I think we, we think that we miss the boat. Like, oh man, I should have started living by the word of God, you know, 20 years ago. But she didn't. But she didn't. And guess what? You're not too far gone. You can start today. The Bible says we reap what we sow. And if we start sowing seeds right now of living and meditating on the word and living according to it, we will reap a harvest from what we've sown. This is how Jesus puts it. I love the Old Testament, but I want you to know Jesus says basically the same thing. Matthew 7, 24 says this, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, now Jesus was the word and he spoke words, okay? He was the word. The word, John 1, became flesh and dwelt among us. We talked about that last month. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. What is our thing for today? What did God want Joshua to do? He wanted him to observe to do. Jesus is telling his disciples and everyone who was listening at this point, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to act. May be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. That when 20 years ago when I messed up my life ministered greatly to me because I knew that the the rain came and the floods came in my life and my house completely <laughs> fell down to nothing. But Jesus says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Matthew 7, 24. And the rain fell. Because it does fall. And the floods come. Because they do come. They do come. And the winds blew and slammed against the house. Yet it did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as having authority and not as their scribes. Listen here, simple message today, obey to do. I don't think there's a, I was asking the Lord this morning and I'm like, isn't there something else you want to tell these people? And he's like, that's enough. That's enough. If you can get this one thing of listening, meditating, hearing the word, and then doing it, you'll be amazed at how God blesses that and how it turns your life around. If you've been doing this for a long time, maybe this isn't the best message for you. But if you've been doing this for a long time, you no doubt have a testimony about how God supernaturally came in 
and changed your life when you started listening and doing what the Word of God says. If this is new to you, you'll definitely get, you'll probably lose some friends. That's okay. <laughs> you'll probably feel weird for a while, and that's okay. I did. People were looking at me like I was crazy when I started listening and doing what the Word of God said. They were like, what? You're going to do what? I lost every single friend I had. <laughs> Literally everyone. But I had the Lord. And He renewed and repurposed my life based on my calling, which was to tell you guys, one of them is to tell you guys about his goodness. Today, I'm going to keep this one a little bit shorter today, but today I want you guys to do just that. Read Joshua 1, 7, and 8, and I want you to look at the word of God differently. It's not just something that you read. It's something that you do, okay? When it says love your enemies, you're supposed to do that, right? When it says all the things that it says, that's what you're supposed to do. And when you, you learn when you construct your house based on the word of God, just like Jesus says, it's, it was a prophetic word. When the winds come, when the floods come, and they try to invade your house, they try to destroy your house, they can't because it's founded on the rock. Joshua knew this. Joshua lived this. All you have to do is read the entire book of Joshua to know that Joshua actually lived this out. It's amazing. He was an incredible man of God. And if you want that kind of stability, that kind of success, God is telling you right here in Joshua 1 how to get it. Word of God in your mouth and the word of God in your mind. It's incredible. Amen. Amen. Amen, guys. I love you guys so much. I hope this series is helping you. When you get the word of God in your mind, the promises of God in your mind, walking into the new doesn't make you so nervous. It doesn't make you that nervous because you know that every single promise God has goes with you into that new season of life, right? Yes, it's true. I've lived it. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. <sighs> okay, okay. I hope you enjoyed that. We are back. I've got a question from one of you. And you know, Valentine's Day is coming. Can can anyone even believe that Valentine's Day is like knocking on the door? I, I can't even believe that we are here. Where did this come from? I just took down my Christmas tree. What is happening? <sighs> 
Anyway, it's upon us. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of Valentine's Day. I used to be a huge fan of Valentine's Day. I don't really know what happened to me. <laughs> I just feel like, don't tell me I'm supposed to love my husband. I lo- Valentine's Day for us is 365 days a year, people. Anyway, not a huge fan of Valentine's Day in general, which <laughs> sounds so bad. I don't really know even know why I said that. But here we go. I've got a question for you about Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day is very exciting to our children. Okay. The, val- the, 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 the question is this, how do you bring the gospel into Valentine's Day for your kids? How do you bring the gospel into Valentine's Day for your kids? I think this is an awesome question. And and I think you guys know by just following along and listening and getting to know my family through, you know, my opening statements and stuff like that. We bring the Lord in everywhere. Okay. Every Valentine's Day, we wake up. I wake up super early. I make them all heart pancakes. Of course I do. I They're pink. I cut strawberries in the shape of hearts. I send them a heart-shaped sandwich for lunch. Like I, on Valentine's Day only, I turn into a Pinterest mom. (laughs) Only on Valentine's Day am I a Pinterest mom, but I am on Valentine's Day. We get them the candy. We get them the whole thing, whatever. But I never want to waste an opportunity that I can't talk about the Lord. And so we talk about, out of 1 Corinthians 13, what love actually is. And there's different types of love that are described in the Bible. There is there's agape love, which is unconditional love. There's eros love, which is like a lustful love. There's phileo love, which is a brotherly love. There's actually multiple different types of love that the Bible talks about. We don't go into all of that, especially not at the six-year-old's level, but I have definitely talked about love in those different forms with my older children, especially my 16-year-old who is dating. We have definitely had the phileo love talk, agape love talk, the whole thing. And so Valentine's Day is a great opportunity for you to just bring the Lord into your every, what you would be doing every single day. Bring John 3, 16, for God so loved, agape loved, unconditionally loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. You know, this is not, you. it doesn't, bringing God into your daily life, into parenting doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be, okay, we're going to sit down and, you know, go through exegete first John. It doesn't have to be so weird. Okay. When you, in your daily life, whether it's Valentine's day, whether it's, you know, we just had Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We, we are, we definitely talked about the Lord in that. I mean, there is just so many opportunities that are presented to us that we can introduce scripture. We can introduce biblical truths into our children's lives and they glean from it. I'm telling you right now, they glean from it. They grow from it. They remember it. And eventually one day they will be telling other people about it. So we talk about the different types of love for Valentine's day, what true love is, what love is not. And we bring it into our breakfast when we're eating our pancakes. And then we tell our kids we love them a million times. I'm a, I'm a, I love you person. I tell my kids, I love you like 10 times a day, like 
sometimes, I mean, all the time, it's like, it's like a filler word. Hey, go take out the trash. Love you. You know, like it's just something that we do because I think every child wants to hear it. So we, we shower them with, I love yous and, you know, go move on through our Valentine's day. I hope this answered the question for you. I hope it gives you a great Valentine's day perspective. I love you guys so much. Let me pray us out. Lord, I, I just love every single person that is listening to the sound of my voice right now. God, we praise you. We praise you for what you're doing through this series. I thank you for Joshua one. I thank you for the text. I thank you for the truths that we can stand on. I thank you that your word is so powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, God. I thank you, Lord, for everyone that is learning and growing from this series, God. I thank you for Valentine's Day and uh, just for how incredible and fun that holiday is with our kids. And Lord, we thank you for the blessing of what we get to do in this podcast. And I pray that you would continue to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you guys next time. We love you. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.